chapter nineteen of lady jim of curzon street this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. lady jim of curzon street by fergus hume chapter nineteen leah's emotion as she felt was almost cruelly genuine it bore the trademark of sincerity it made her heart hammer furiously against her ribs and drove the blood from her cheeks yet she knew that jim still lived that the lying cablegram was but a necessary card to play for the winning of large stakes for once the expected had happened that was all why then should she exhibit emotions which could not possibly have been caused by the excuse offered to the public her heart replied with brutal directness that she had crossed the old bailey rubicon and was actually participating in a crime the last word shook her out of cotton-wool wrappings into a naked world up to the receipt of the cablegram she could have drawn back now fully committed to the adventure she was compelled to tread a perilous path a criminal yes she had been one in intention which mattered little she was now criminal in fact and that meant punishment her imagination conjured up visions of the possible the judge spoke the prison gaped the bolts shot home curzon street was exchanged for warm wood scrubs ugh but after all such queasy thoughts were unnecessary if she had broken the eighth commandment she fully intended to keep the eleventh and unwritten one thou shalt not be found out the truth to mrs saracen excusing a hasty departure served to circulate the fiction of jim's death which the widow wished to be speedily and widely known she could not have selected a bell with a better clapper promulgated by the sauce queen the sad invention shortly became town talk and disseminated by myriad tongues ran like a prairie fire throughout society with a capital letter a more weighty bag on the postman's back resulted and commiserating platitudes showered on leah as thick as the overquoted leaves of valambrosa she glanced through many replied to a few and burned very wisely the majority between whiles her attention was given to parcels from jays and considerations of widows caps and the recognition that the feminine uniform of woe clothed with marked distinction a really beautiful mourner to women grief has its consolations in crape millinery seclusion was necessary in those days of lamentation but none the less wearisome to play the nun while people scattered to cows in the continent chafed the chameleon woman some intimate sympathizers she received and to these she matched mournful words with a mournful countenance with the blinds half down and sal volatile at hand in a becoming gown and using a handkerchief three inches black bordered to redden the driest of eyes 
lady jim held funereal receptions and spoke in low tones of her late husband's hitherto unknown good qualities his palpable evils she cloaked with the his own worst enemy phrase and mentioned twice that if not an angel he at least had been a man the visitor addressed made her exit expressing hopes that lord james was an angel now and the door closed in time to prevent her seeing leah's enjoyment of the picture thus cashed on her amused mind jim an angel murmured the widow wiping away real tears he'd bet on his flying with the duke she played her comedy of sorrow very prettily pentland and frith arrived in haste while the marchioness hurried on beforehand to prepare leah for the interview but she was already word-perfect in her part aware that lord frith would discredit ostentatious grief she assumed the position of a shocked rather than a broken-hearted widow though she said nothing but what might have been inscribed on jim's tombstone not a crocodile tear did she shed under frith's too observant eyes but sat near the duke holding his gouty lean hand and skilfully impressed the trio with the belief that she and the deceased had not been so far asunder as was supposed the corollary of such impression being that she honestly regretted jim's untimely demise no more could be expected even from the most forgiving woman and no more was demanded by the ducal family after these preliminary condolences pentland suggested that leah should come to firmingham for the funeral it was necessary to agree to this and she did with graceful readiness only intimating that she would remain in town until the remains arrived at southampton even as she made the stipulation she wondered how demetrius had contrived to transfer garth's body from madeira to jamaica for the deception i thought poor jim would have been buried where he died she remarked tentatively the duke was shocked certainly not jim poor fellow must rest with his ancestors we must look upon his face for the last time leah plucked nervously at her black gown and wondered if the russian was wise in submitting a substituted corpse to family scrutiny they say that death changes people she ventured uneasily and of course embalming just what i said to bunny interrupted lady frith in too vivacious a tone for the occasion we shall hardly know jim with the soul out of him my dear hilda well bunny you know souls aren't buried they go to a better world as jim's has gone mourned the doting father frith looked doubtfully at his sister-in-law the less said about jim's destination the better therefore did he crush sentiment with dry business i expect demetrius will arrive with the remains about the end of the month said he in the hardest of voices after the funeral we can see about the will it leaves everything to leah his father informed him indeed and what had jim to leave behind him besides his character the insurance money oh ah yes jarvey peel's present twenty thousand pounds eh 
and accumulations supplemented lady jim but need we talk of such things now and she sighed the conversation back to sentiment quite so quite so quavered the duke shaking his head terrible loss to you my dear and your natural grief and hum hum further fossilized phrases escaped his memory i certainly feel for poor jim said leah with sedate dignity he had his faults of course but then so have i your kind remembrance of jim excuses the few you possess was pentland's reply while frith compressing his thin lips made no remark indeed there was no chance for hilda clamoured that leah should come to her house for beef-tea and consolation she had never agreed with her more sceptical husband about the curzon street menage and credited lady jim with the requisite virtues of a genuine widow your strength must be kept up dear she babbled as though she expected leah to faint then and there i know exactly how you feel just as i should if bunny became an angel but we must all die dear leah and death is the gate of life and can't you leave these proverbial condolences to lionel broke in her exasperated husband oh bunny with a wail the sacred dead let the child talk commanded pentland she expresses my feelings thus encouraged the child did talk and lady jim listened with a bent head to original remarks about time the great consoler and meetings on a golden shore to part no more and keeping the loved memory green and bowing to the inevitable and such like official utterances without which no funeral is complete when hilda stopped for want of breath and memory leah kissed her with the affection of one deeply moved and observed that she was tired and indeed she was bored to death in fact so the marchioness pleased with her plagiarized eloquence took leave tactfully and tearfully on the duke's arm frith lingered why don't you laugh he said dryly at hilda in the pulpit why should i she means well ha huh, i allude to your demure listening i do not wish to speak ill of the dead and after all jim was my brother but are you really and truly sorry in a way if you will press for an answer one can't live five years with a man without missing him at the breakfast-table hum though you and i pretend otherwise to console my father we know that jim was no saint am i she asked shrugging politeness forbids my answering that question i don't see what politeness has to do with this interview have you remained to make yourself disagreeable on my honour no you're a clever woman leah and as a scamp's wife you have conducted yourself admirably as i am now the scamp's widow had that not better have been left unsaid frith shrugged in his turn i suppose so since we have agreed to call black white but i waited to say that i'll help you in any way you wish leah was surprised and touched she and frith had never been good friends apparently he was not such a bad sort after all but what was behind this offer her ineradicable suspicion of human nature made her doubt though she spared him the question 
it is very good of you said she cordially but with the insurance money and this house which your father says i can retain i shall do very well there is no need for you to open your purse or your heart the marquis hunched his shoulders and let them drop hum he repeated biting his forefinger you will be marrying again what has that to do with you she flashed out haughtily well you bear our family name he reminded her and demetrius lady jim felt qualmish demetrius she echoed faintly what could frith possibly have to say about the prime mover in the plot the man is crazy about you said he frowning i can't help lunatics being at large said leah reassured as to his meaning and at once on the defensive have i encouraged him he hastened to protest oh no as i said before your conduct as jim's wife has been admirable truly admirable but i should not like to see you marry demetrius why should you think me willing to do so i don't since the man is a foreigner and poor and untitled he can be a prince and wealthy if he chooses to be reconciled with the russian authorities even then leah do you really like this man as a clever doctor and an amusing talker yes well frith baffled and perplexed bit his finger again he is devoted to you they talk of it at the clubs no no hurriedly as she turned crimson with indignation there's not a word said against you but this absurd infatuation and you a widow these foreigners go to ridiculous lengths so you see i certainly do not see interrupted leah with conviction did you offer assistance so that you might meddle oh no no protested the marquis looking shocked but you have behaved so well as jim's wife that is the third time you have said so and i am by no means stupid it seems to me she looked straight at him that you believe monsieur demetrius will ask me to marry him yes i do think so will it ease your mind if i say that i have no intention of accepting any impertinent proposal he may make it will and it does said frith bluntly i should not like to see you throw yourself away on that man should you marry again it will be entirely my own affair of course of course all the same quite so good day lord frith he smiled grimly seeing that she would not permit him to finish a single sentence am i to take your use of my title as an intimation that we are to be strangers to the extent of supervision yes but you can't manage things unaided that also is my business as your interference is concerned with monsieur demetrius and i have set your mind at rest on that point there is no more to be said as you please still this demetrius oh demetrius she echoed enraged by this parrot repetition i never wish to hear his name or set eyes on his face again this was true enough now that the russian had served her turn he could go hang she had no further use of him and he could whistle for his well-earned wages when frith after further interrupted expostulations took his leave lady jim sat down chin on hand to consider this town talk the love-sick babbling of demetrius troubled her little no scandal could attach to a diana who never hunted the noble quarry man and leah was such a known lover of herself that even scandal refrained from giving her a rival 
still the russian was pertinacious and could be vindictive he had fulfilled her bidding for a certain price and that price he would assuredly demand make him her second husband she would not he belonged to katinka who could keep him and welcome the remembrance of the daughter suggested the useful father aksakoff unfettered by honourable prejudices certainly could help her for the attaining of his own ends if demetrius became troublesome could she lure him to paris his disappearance from her life would only be a question of days perhaps hours but for the moment she did not see how to export her accomplice to siberia via the gay city without becoming a more active agent than was wise one russian had her there was no blinking the fact under his thumb and to remove that pressure in the only way in which it could be removed meant the substitution of a similar thumb she would merely jump from the frying-pan into the fire both equally uncomfortable on this account unless she should exchange king log for king stork leah hesitated to enlist aksakoff's assistance luckily there was no need to come to an immediate decision she had three weeks at least to consider the matter the funeral the procuring of the insurance money natural grief for the tricking of the world and the regulation period of mourning she could oppose these obstacles should demetrius press his suit unduly hard this being so she flung off the burden for the time being although the necessity of settling the matter sooner or later haunted her thoughts such insistence of the disagreeable broke up her rest and she would waken at dawn to plot escape chloral occasionally aided her to sleep the difficulty out of her head but she detested drugs that demand extortionate repayment for their kindness and use narcotic discreetly a week of these haggard hauntings aged her anxiety became apparent in hollow eyes and colourless cheeks one day without spoken horror she discovered an entirely new wrinkle and noted later that the unexpected opening of a door caused her nerves to jump kind friends ascribed such things to commendable sorrow for the dead and leah tacitly accepted their comforting and petting on this obvious plea but not to regret a thousand gems would she have risked her beauty as after her tongue for leah put brains before looks it was her keenest edged weapon with which to fight the world and was supremely powerful to control fools daily the stream of sympathizing friends rolled through the dainty drawing-room and bore lady jim away from comedy grief to more pleasant shores where gossip of he and she and the tertium quid interspersed with millinery discussions and shrewd female handling of current society events made things more tolerable lady richardson babbled herself in with a box of chocolate from sir billy a consolation not unpalatable to leah who liked billy and loved sweets both being acquired tastes said lady jim but not to the little mother so thoughtful of him isn't it chattered lady richardson who was coloured in subdued tints with a gown to match for the visit the dear boy he said to me that we must prevent you from breaking your heart and prescribes eating said leah humorously i never knew sir billy was so young thank him for me fanny and tell him that when i think of taking a second i'll give him a look in 
oh billy has thought of that already such a boy as he is you're sure to have a badly spelt proposal from him dear but seriously speaking will you oh of course you will why should i you have not my heart is buried in the grave of billy's father murmured lady richardson pensively dig it up again well there's reggie lake of course but he's so poor all the more reason that he should propose you have a good jointure settled entirely on myself said the little woman shrewdly then added romantically i must be loved for myself alone oh lady jim shrugged if you expect miracles really leah her visitor became pinker than her rouge i mean that men are selfish dear they always have their eye on the cash-box you know i hope that won't be your fate darling was the spiteful reply for lady richardson always scratched back oh my face is my fortune fanny jim poor dear spendthrift has left me with only a few thousands which won't last long i should think not in your hands dear but there is mr askew and dr demetrius both admire you admiration does not necessarily mean marriage and at present i think more of my loss than of a second husband so sweet of you and so proper but you might take a look at the market mr trent now the south african he's a millionaire so i should think from his manners lord canvey would give me a grandmother-in-law of the worst sir jacob mcpella the man who has taken his name from abraham's cemetery i suppose he thought it sounded scotch no thanks my name is hebrew but my tastes are gentile johnny danesbury a penny doll with a squeak i want a man colonel harrington he's a brute without instinct i begin to think you keep a matrimonial agency fanny it wouldn't pay were you my only client retorted lady richardson still remembering the miracle dig no one seems to satisfy you i believe you mean to marry ask you after all what of him he's a nice footman and doesn't ask wages aren't these suggestions rather premature my heart like yours may be in my husband's grave i didn't know he was buried yet said the little woman crossly how impossible you are darling always when people get on my nerves dear i believe you want some other woman's husband oh dear no i never covet my neighbour's ass shot and shell were flying rather thickly and seeing no chance of planting her flag on leah's bulwarks lady richardson beat a discreet retreat with judas kisses and parthian shots so glad if i have cheered you up dear kiss bear up and don't break your heart kiss kiss so sweet your sorrow and so genuine kiss 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 and having given several rowlands for one oliver lady richardson departed cat said lady jim to the closed door and settled to munch billy's chocolates over marcel prevost's lettre d'une femme end of chapter nineteen